Welcome to Nothing Confidential, the podcast. I'm Kristen Henke, your hostess with the mostest, guide from the side, and mistress of ceremonies. Together, we're about to explore and deconstruct the shame and stigma surrounding our sexuality. You heard that right. We're going deep on the topics of sex, relationships, spirituality, health, and everything else that impacts our ability to live, love, and orgasm freely. My hope is to shine a light on our shared experiences by normalizing taboo topics and empowering each of you to reclaim autonomy of your pleasure, your bodies, and your lives. You are now entering a judgment-free zone where I ask all the uncomfortable and embarrassing questions for you. Our unofficial mantra is be curious, not judgmental. So leave your inner prude at the door or strap her in tight because this is happening. Hey guys, I don't usually intro my guests on hashtag asking for a friend episodes because they are always close friends of mine and sometimes introductions feel a little stiff or formal. That is not the case this week. The reason I am going to intro this guest is because she, while being my friend, is so extremely qualified (laughs) and I am just so blown away by her and how talented she is and how much she has accomplished, and I really want to celebrate her, and uh, you guys are basically getting therapy for free. So wanted to make sure that I paid appropriate homage to the incredible Rachel Wright, who is my guest today. Her bio reads a little something like this. Psychotherapist Rachel Wright is recognized as one of the freshest voices on modern relationships and sex. She's an experienced speaker, group facilitator, educator, therapist, coach, and on-camera mental health and relationship expert. With a master's degree in clinical psychology, Rachel has worked with thousands of individuals and couples all over the world, helping them to scream less and screw more. Amen to that. She has brought her message to stages across the globe, was Shape Magazine's sex and relationships coach for Crush Your Goals 2020, and is the co-host of the popular Bachelor-themed podcast, The Right Reasons. Get that play on her last name. Ow, ow! Rachel has been featured widely in the media, including Cheddar TV, Cosmopolitan Magazine, Pix11, Insider, InStyle, Women's Health, NBC News Radio, Huffington Post, and hundreds of other outlets. <gasps> so there you go. My girl, Rachel, on the show today, addressing one of your questions. So excited to share her with you. But before we jump into this conversation, I did also want to let you know that at the time of this recording, we are still in the middle of the corona pandemic that is stretching worldwide. And I hope that all of you are safe and healthy, doing your part, staying at home, following the guidelines so that we can all get through this in one piece. Um, But Rachel is hosting free pop-up support groups while this is going on. And so I'm going to link that in the show notes. So if you guys need help with just processing all of this, if you need somewhere to put all of those feels, if you are experiencing uh, anxiety or any other mental health related issues during this time, this crisis um, can be very, I mean, obviously it's very traumatic and it's very triggering and there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of fear. And Rachel is gifting her expertise to all of you in 
providing a space for you to, to talk through that and be educated and to connect. So her pop-ups are called Distanced, Not Alone. And again, I'm going to link the schedule for those so that you can see when she's doing them. I'm going to put that in the show notes for all of you. Please go sign up, attend those webinars, get support, stay connected and stay home. Love you guys. All right. So we're just going to jump right in because that is how this shit works. It's real cash, do it. real cash up in her. Rachel Wright. (laughs) Thanks for joining me at nothing confidential, the podcast. AKA. I'm like interrupting you already. I'm just so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited you're here. Um, it's awesome. This is like, this is one of the only episodes that's going to come out like semi in real time because I thought it was really important for everyone to experience you before you joined me and the very special tiny group of women in the living room um, in a couple of weeks. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and especially being in isolation, like yeah. what we're going to talk about today, I think yeah. is incredibly important. I do too, because not only are we going to like bring up a very common topic that is close to my heart. We're going to talk through it. We're going to work through it. Rachel's is going to give you guys tools. And then you guys have this like container of space and time to like do homework and like get right on it. Yeah. With no excuses. Cause you can't go anywhere. That's right. <laughs> um, the six feet rule doesn't apply to your sexual partner. Yeah, no, it doesn't. <laughs> if Unless you live they're together. immune compromised and you've been yes. in a crowd and then maybe, yes, you should be kind, but Yes. We don't, we won't get too into that. Yeah, exactly. We're, that we're both there. not medical doctors. <laughs> disclaimer, not. disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> not medical doctors. Um, one of us is licensed to Correct. talk about sex and that's Rachel. That's not me. <laughs> that is me. Correct. <laughs> I am the facilitator. I'm the guide from the side rather than the sage from the stage as Marie Forleo likes to say. Love it. Um, yes. So Rachel Wright, my buddy and pal from New York. So I feel like that's so fancy. Like I'm so, it's so unbelievable to me that I have a friend this cool. Oh, stop it. I I feel the same way about you. In shape magazine and has been on T she's an on air personality. It says it right in her bio. Like, oh my God, (laughs) she's legit. (laughs) I wish you guys could see my laughing face right now. It's so bizarre. It's, you know, it's one of those things that when you hear someone else describe you, it's so out of body because I just live it every day. Actually, I would challenge everyone to every single day. So it's like hard for me to. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I'm I'm also really bad at receiving. This goes in line with what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about that. (laughs) Um, But being able to receive uh, kudos from other people mm. and like how other people experience me is very challenging. I would encourage everybody listening, actually have people around you, even if it's by text now that we're, you know, doing that. Quarantine. Um, yeah. <laughs> Quarantine and chill. <laughs> ask people like, Hey, I was listening to this podcast and this therapist suggested to ask my friends how they experience me. Like, how would you describe me to somebody else? And it's really interesting to see how other people perceive you. Like when you said on-air personality, I was like, oh my God, like but I'm not true. Katie Couric, <laughs> but it's, but it's true. true. It's it true. true. Yeah. 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 Well, I love that. And then if you want to get like hippy dippy and shit to go along with the certified therapist advice, when I was going through yoga teacher training years ago, they had us do an exercise where whenever we got feedback, cause we would go around and like practice teach. And then mm. we would have to sit and receive feedback from everyone in the circle. And the person receiving feedback had to 
sit with their palms up open mm. on their knees in like a position to of openness and receiving. And they couldn't respond other than to say, thank you. Even if, even if it was like, so you gave really bleary instructions about this part and you're just like, thank you. Thank you. But then if they're like, you're phenomenal, you like changed my life, blah, blah, blah. You just look them in the eye and you say, thank you. And you receive it and you don't get to be like, well, I thought, <laughs> no, you have to like take it in. That's a beautiful, beautiful practice. I think that we could all get better at that. And when I say all, like literally everyone, I don't know many people who are like, yes, please shower me with both positive and negative things and I'll respond the same. Right. <laughs> that, yeah, that's like a whole nother, that's like transcendent evolution. Yeah. That's self-actualization. Lots of growth. Lots of growth. Um, I feel like this is the perfect lead in yeah. into what we're going to talk about today, actually, um, which overarchingly is the act of receiving, mm -hmm. which is very hard for all of us, as we just said. And to give the listeners a little bit of backstory about, I think it was two or three episodes ago, I had answered a question from a listener about getting their partner to participate in oral sex more. They wanted to receive oral sex more and their partner didn't really seem to be into it. And so we, we kind of talked all around the different reasons for what that is and, you know, gave some real life examples of how to work through that. And then I received a question um, that I really loved from someone who had asked me to address the reverse situation. And so mm -hmm. in her exact words, she said, my husband loves giving oral, but I struggle with even letting him. In the past year, I have uncovered trauma and shame when it comes to my vagina from childhood and teen years. I'm trying to sensitize myself to it now that I've been able to talk about the situations that occurred to acquire the bad shame. Love all of this. Keep it coming. We want to keep you coming. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so basically, I mean, this is like, this is a big, a big yeah. topic. Um, the only other thing I'll add since I spoke to that person and I know a little bit more about her backstory and she essentially as a child just experienced something that made her feel some kind of way about the appearance of her mm. vulva. And she mm. felt like something was wrong with it. Like it wasn't desirable, like it didn't look right. Um, and that kind of followed her. So there's like a shame around how her vulva appears. Yeah. And then on top of that experienced some, you know, trauma related to, you know, all of that, that also led to her feeling unsafe in her yes. body. So there's like two things happening and I'm just going to give that to you. Well, uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> that wasn't very good. Here you I, go. No, I, I really think that, first of all, it's important to acknowledge that whether there has been trauma or not, the majority of people who have come to my practice virtually or in person when I had my brick and mortar also feel that there's something wrong with their vulva, um, regardless of, of trauma history. So I, while I think it's important to acknowledge that everybody is different and everybody has had different experiences, this is a very universal issue regardless of past. Um, and it's something that because of the lack of sex education, we don't know what quote unquote normal is. So that's why so many kids are curious to look yeah. at other kids' bodies. And yet then you can be shamed for that as a kid. You yeah. know, I even remember, I think I was maybe five or six and I remember asking one of my friends, we were like changing into our bathing suits. And I was like, do you think our bodies look the same? 
And we took off our clothes as we were changing into our bathing suits. And her mom walked in and was like, put on clothes, girls. What are you doing? And we weren't like doing anything sexual. It was purely like- Yeah, curiosity. Yeah, like, oh, girls also, do you also have a vagina? Like we were really interested in that. And there was so much um, fear coming Mm -hmm. from her mom that like that moment is so- ingrained in my Mm. head. Luckily it didn't have a lasting effect, but so many of us have that. Yeah. I have a similar occurrence where, because I'm me, I (laughs) was like eight or nine maybe. And I remember being in the closet with a flashlight and a hand mirror. I was checking out (laughs) all my business because I wanted to know what it looked like. And I was like getting in there just like, Oh, this is cool. Like this is this and this is this. And then I thought it was the coolest thing ever. So I told both of my sisters, my two sisters right after me. So like two years and four years, you know, apart uh-huh. from me, I was like, guys, you will never believe what is going on down here. You should also get a hand mirror and check out your stuff. And so because it was so long ago, I don't remember like if I have like completed this memory or if it was accurate, not sure. But what yeah. I'm like, what I have preserved is basically all of us, or at least two of us with hand mirrors, like sitting, like squatting over them, like looking at our jazz and my That's mom incredible. and my mom came in and was like, Oh my God, what are you guys doing? And got a little bit freaked out. Yeah. Well, so, and that's the uh, yeah. that's the hard part is that as a kid, parents freaking out, it's hard to know whether they're angry yeah. or if they're just uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's a fear response. It's normally a fear response or a trigger. And, yes. and I've talked, talked about that extensively on the show. And that really the point that you just brought up about the fact that we have this universal issue and now we just need to normalize it, which is why we're here. Um, and which is why things like, I'm going to say this and people, some people are going to roll their eyes and that's totally okay. You're welcome to your opinion. I loved the goop lab episode. I really loved the goop lab episode that showed a range. That's totally okay. That showed a range of vulvas on, on the show. And I thought, yeah. And I thought I'm like, for, for better, for worse, whether you like GP or not, whether whatever, you can't deny that there was a range of vulvas presented like that you would not have seen anywhere else if you weren't into, like, if you didn't work in sexuality, like we do, like I see different vulvas all the time, but like everybody doesn't. Right. And for a lot of people, that was the first time it occurred to them that people have different vulvas, that they don't all look the same down there, that they don't all look like 12 year old girls. They don't all look like whatever they've seen in porn. Like it was a very important moment, I thought. And I'm like, even if you don't like everything else around it, that's totally cool. Take or leave it. But I just, I thought that it was very effective and kind of like flipping on a light and just being like, hey, here's like 60 different versions of what this could look like. Maybe you're not that weird. That is so wonderful. So wonderful and so valuable and also speaks to the fact that like we go so all or nothing as humans. We're like, oh, well, I don't like goop at Gwyneth Paltrow. So therefore nothing good can come out of this. I can't get any value from anything they have to say, which they have a ton of resources. So you might actually think if you could separate it out that some of the stuff they're able to to bring forth is worth quite a lot because they have the resources to get it out there when some people don't. So exactly. Well, and like you're saying, so many people don't know, especially if you're a female who identifies as heterosexual, there's probably the only vulva you've seen is yours. Yeah. Like up close and personal. So it's the fact that we look to porn as education Oof. 
is yeah. such a, uh, that's like a whole other topic. That is, that is a whole other thing. You should save it because we're going to do a yeah. whole other episode on that. <laughs> we totally can. Long and short of it is yeah. porn is supposed to be entertainment, not education. Yeah. So when we're looking at it or when anybody is looking at it for education or to explore what other people's bodies look like, it's not an appropriate exploration because there's not any diversity. They're going to do they're going to cast people who look a certain way and whose bodies look a certain way. Um, And so becoming comfortable with what your vulva looks like is so incredibly important to being able to receive oral. Because part of the fear is, oh my God, is it ugly? Does it taste bad? Does it smell bad? And (laughs) I'm going to suggest something that a lot of you listening are probably going to do like a nose twinge smell and taste yourself. Yeah. Like I have done that. FYI guys listening. If you're wondering, I am constantly holding myself to the same standard that I expect for all of you. I have done both of those things. (laughs) Yeah. And it's important because the vagina itself is a self-cleaning thing, but we're sold as women. So many things like you know, we need to douche, oh which please don't do that. Summer's Eve, wipes Summer's and all Eve. Shit. Yeah. I'm like, don't mess with your pH guys. Don't do Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> like, please don't. That's when it's going to start to, to be off is when we do those things. So it's not supposed to smell like roses. It's no. supposed to smell like a vagina. It's also not supposed to smell like dumpster fish. So if it smells like that, yes. that might be bacterial vaginosis or something like that. So like, you should look into that, but that's, yes. that's not an, a long-term issue either. It just needs to be addressed. Correct. And the only way that you would know if that was abnormal is if you're getting used you're to smelling it when it's or not someone there. else is down there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you got, yeah. Yeah. Yes. So getting to know how you look, getting to know how you smell, getting to know how you taste is massively important. And it will rip the bandaid off of the, oh my God, what if I, what if I, what if I, that's yeah. going through your head when receiving. Well, then you know what he or she is experiencing. So, right. you know, that, that kind of helps too. It kind of makes it less scary when you, when you're, I mean, even if you're like, I don't love this, you're just kind of like, this right. isn't that bad. It's not yes. that bad. Exactly. And you don't have to be like, I want to do this every day. Breakfast, no. please. <laughs> but the thing I like to remind people of is that if your partner identifies as male um, or has a penis, Penis and balls don't always smell or taste that great. And yet Correct. we care about them and therefore we shower pleasure upon them. So Correct. that needs to be a two-way street. You don't have to smell good or taste good all the time. Like they should do it anyway. If that is something that you guys have agreed on and if that is something that you would like to receive from your partner because yes, most women are giving it back in return or only giving it to them and not receiving it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, that's like a logistical thing that I would highly, highly (laughs) recommend to do. Um, On top of that though, getting used to receiving in general. So when I was running ladies and libidos, one of the first things that I would ask the women in the group was what happens when you receive a compliment? And most of the time, (laughs) while we did an example of it, it would be like, oh, no, 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 no. I blah, 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 blah. Like, oh, I love your earrings. Oh, these, no, I got them on clearance at Target, right? We immediately downplay. like discount and downplay yeah. the compliment. And if we cannot receive a compliment, 
there is zero chance we're going to be able to receive pleasure, especially pleasure to reach an orgasm. Yeah. Like we just can't, I, I have not yet worked with or met anyone who is fully comfortable receiving oral sex and can orgasm from oral sex who cannot receive a compliment. Yeah. I could see that a thousand percent because it's an inherent worthiness issue. Exactly. Exactly. So that is a place that is non-sexual that you can start really practice receiving just like we were saying at the beginning is this thank you. That's it. Just thank you. No caveat, no explanation. Notice how you respond to compliments Mm. and start giving compliments to other people and see how it feels for you when they discount their response. Mm. Yeah. And I actually love this because this is a tactical tool that you can use that takes it outside of the bedroom. If the like oral thing is like really scary for you and if you're working through it and it feels really tender, like this is a way to, to be aware and be in your body and be noticing things that are going to support you there without you being like on the hot seat. And I think that's awesome. And that's, it's less intimidating. It's less scary. Everybody can do it. You can start it right now. You whimsical unicorn goddesses. Yes. Yes. Well, and that's the thing is so many people, when they hear that I do sex therapy, they're like, oh my God, do people have sex like in an office and you like coach and you like like, watch them and give them pointers? (laughs) No, that is not. It's a little to the left. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, no, it's this stuff because most of the time the problems, quote unquote problems that exist inside of the bedroom or wherever you're being intimate, the kitchen. The, yeah. <laughs> it's just a manifestation of a different issue. Mm. Unless it's truly a physiological or there was a sexual trauma, like something very specifically related, usually the sex issue will be the mechanism that gets someone in or that gets someone to call or email me. But underneath it, it's a different issue. Just like how receiving oral sex comes down to shame, embarrassment, worthiness, and a discomfort usually in receiving period. And so starting with these compliment things is really helpful, especially when, if you put yourself in the other position, so of giving, if you're giving your partner oral sex, how does that feel for you? Most of the time people are like, I I like seeing my partner pleasured. I like giving that pleasure. And then think about if your partner took that away from you. How would that feel for you as the giver? And we forget that sometimes as the receiver that we're actually giving a gift to the giver (laughs) by receiving. Mm -hmm. Because it doesn't feel good to give someone a present and have the person be like, um, I don't, I I think my breath smells right now. So like, I don't really want it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, could you imagine if someone's like, here is a new, um, set of mugs for your kitchen. And you're like, actually I, I smell right now. So can I go shower first? And then I can accept your gift. (laughs) They're like, no, I know how you smell. I'm just trying to give you a gift here. Yeah. So it's really taking something away from the other person too. And I also think that there's just a lack of communication around mm-hmm. oral sex between partners. Yeah. It's, it's really like, if you're uncomfortable, tell your partner. 
like let your partner know what part of it you're uncomfortable with. Is it is it that you're afraid you're going to smell weird? Is it that you are afraid you're never going to orgasm and so he or she is going to be down there for like five hours? Like what is your discomfort? Communicate that because your partner can then show up for you. But and getting it out there is sometimes the scariest part. Like some sometimes the thing that you fear uh, once you verbalize it, they're like, that is so silly. I never even thought that. And then you can feel this great sense of relief. Sometimes it is true. And that yeah. you can then deal with, you know, yes. I've, I've shared in several different places that I actually never thought about how I smelled because all of my previous partners had very complimentary things to say about my situation and then I got with my husband and like very early on, he made a comment at some point that I had an odor and I was like, um, excuse the hell out of me. <laughs> what are you actually talking about? And you know, it was just something that like, number one, I had to recognize that he isn't a guy who specifically loves oral. Like everyone kind of has stuff that they're mm -hmm. like super into. I had partners who were very into it and he wasn't that into it. Yeah. And that's when we had to have the very straight conversation where I was like, well, you know what? Your balls don't smell great all the time and I still go down there. So this is a thing that we're just going to do because we care about each other and we both really like it. So yeah, I know that I smell fine. At least I smell good to myself. And if you don't like it, that's actually okay with me, which is that can be challenging. Yes. Um, but at the same time, once it was like out, out there, I mean, it's like, that's the worst that happened. You know, it didn't, right. he didn't leave me. We didn't right. stop being together. We, we didn't decide that because I had a smelly twat, like we couldn't continue our future together. Like we have a beautiful life now. So yeah. I'm just here to tell you that even if your twat stinks to your partner, it's not the end of the world. It really isn't. No, it's not. <laughs> and we go through different cycles hormonally as we age and it, you know, stress and what we're eating. And like, there are so many different factors that, you know, one day it can smell differently than it does the next. And that's normal and yeah. okay. Well, and one of my favorite ones is that actually sometimes it's the mixture of your, your pH, their sperm and your pH can yep. smell different based on the person. And I was like, I think you're making me stink <laughs> because I didn't stink before. <laughs> You're like, this must be your pheromones. This is probably you. So, yeah. you know, if you need, if you need things to throw out there, DM me, I've got a slew of them. I'll give you a script. I mean, you're yeah. going to be okay. You're going to be fine. For sure. For sure. Ditto on that, by the way. <laughs> also like letting your partner know the things that go through your head sometimes. So saying to them, Hey, sometimes when you're going down on me, I worried that you're bored. Or I'm worried that your tongue is going to get tired and you're going to get resentful of me because I'm taking too long. Like whatever is going through your head, if you share that with them, A, just like we said, naming it is a relief in itself. B, sometimes you'd be very surprised at what they have to say. My mom brought me to a, <laughs> some sort of like, I don't even know. I was like, 19. It was some sort of like relationship seminar, like personal development thing. And oh. it was a lot of women, my mom's aged and then me. That's awesome. And yeah, we were sitting <laughs> in the front row because that's what we do. And <laughs> they had a, a men's panel and it was like an ask men oh, anything panel, okay. right? Fun. So these are all women who really did not grow up in a culture where it was okay to talk about their sexuality, their needs. So all of the questions for these men were about sex. Yeah. 
Right. right. Like, do you stare at my muffin top when we have sex? Exactly. Yes. Like yeah. these were the questions. Do you care what my stomach looks like? Yes. Because I do. How does it feel that my butt jiggles a lot when we're doing it doggy style? Like all of these questions, right? So one of the questions was, um, how long is too long to go down on a woman? I'm really self-conscious, blah, 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 blah. So the facilitator of this whole thing was like, every man on the panel is going to answer this question. And the first guy, I'll never forget it because my mom like laughed so loud at this response that like it's forever anchoring in my head. But the first guy was like, do I have all day? Oh my God. And the, <laughs> my mom just like busts up laughing. The rest of the room is like dead silent. <laughs> and I was sitting there like, your mom's like awkward laughter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And the room was like, oh my. They couldn't what? believe it. They just couldn't believe it. They because to not. them, they're like counting the minutes and like trying to decide if they should like fake it or give it up or whatever, Correct. just to like get them out of there quicker. And he's yes. like, no, like I want to be down here. Yes. I would have thrown my panties at that guy. I seriously. <laughs> been like, I know. And he was so cute. I think afterwards, a lot of the women were like, hey, so what are you doing tonight? What's your deal? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> are you single? <laughs> and do you have all day? <laughs> right. I think he was like in his late forties. Cause I remember thinking like he was a little too old for me at the time. Oh, see, that's a great age. That was like former Christian I mean, life, like 19 dating a 41. I agreed. Yes. Yeah. 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 I, I actually, I was pretty close to that. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. Was fun. Yeah. That. But that was, that was like a moment that I will never forget because I was not just shocked at the response. Cause that was the first time that I had heard a man yeah. say anything like that, but also seeing so many women older than me be mm. so shocked. Yeah. And that made me sad for them yeah. because realizing that I was learning this, I was having this moment and learning mm. this at 19, they were learning it at 50. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's why I love these conversations because yeah. number one, so much hope for James and her school friends. Thank right. You Lord. And number two, like I still have women who are 50 plus who message me on Facebook and message me on Instagram. And they're like, yep. Oh my gosh, thank you for yes. talking about that or for saying something about that or for admitting that or whatever. It's like, we have been thinking or feeling or hoping yes. or fearing this our whole lives and never felt like we could say anything yep. or never felt like there was anywhere we could go to ask or to examine this or like, didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. So I like, that's, that's still happening. Like that's still happening. There are, I know 45 year old women who didn't know until you know, until Goop Lab came out that your vagina isn't what you call all of your female genitalia oh, I like, know. because sex education still yep. kind of sucks ass and it has yep. failed us overall. Now there are people out there doing great work and we are trying, like it is slowly yes. being taken care of like yes. a lot of other things, but overarchingly it has been very disappointing and a great disservice to women and men everywhere. Well, and that's the thing is there's an expectation. Many women I have found have an expectation of men to know, quote unquote, know what they're doing. Yeah. And yet when I ask that same woman who has the expectation, do you know what you're doing? The answer is no. Then how so are it's you like, going to coach them, ladies? You own it. <laughs> yes. Like that is yours. Yeah. You we cannot expect anybody. And this goes for sex. This goes this for, goes for anything, life. Yeah. life. 
if we don't know it about ourselves, if we don't know how to operate our own being, how the hell are we going to teach someone else? That's like, here's a car. I don't know what pedals and buttons do what, but good luck. And then when they crash it, we're like, then you're mad at them Yes. (laughs) or resentful or think that they are the wrong person for you or whatever. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And that just left. (laughs) (laughs) And it's gone. Yeah. I I mean, even the fact, like you were saying with anatomy, you know, the clitoris being shaped like a wishbone. Whenever I talk about that, I get people's faces looking at me. Like I literally just spoke, I don't know, like the 10 commandments on top of Mount Sinai. Like, well, and the fact that a large portion of your clitoris is internal, internal. that freaks people out. Like people have no clue. They have no idea still. And that, and that's like, based on where your clitoris is attached to everything, because some people have like a deeper hood and some people like the external part is larger and some it's not. And based on how that's all situated has a lot to do with whether you can orgasm without uh, clitoral stimulation, which 70% of women cannot. And so all these women who feel like they have to put on some big show or like something is wrong with them, if they can't have like four minutes of P and V pounding (laughs) and they can't get off, like that is something that we're still trying to like bust up the the myth around because that's not accurate. Is anybody else just still laughing at P and V pounding? <laughs> See, and this is I want to. I also want to remind all of you, anyone listening, we both do this for work, and we're still giggling over P and V pounding. Like, be. and it's that's okay, funny. right? It's like, okay. It's access that uncomfortable 12 year old in sex ed that heard, you know, penis and was like, "Ah yeah, that little girl, not, and not in a creepy or odd way, that young lady, (laughs) that sex appropriately aged young woman (laughs) is still in there and is giggling at things. And that is okay. It is okay to look at balls and be like, oh, they're funny looking. It's okay they to laugh are. anytime anyone says balls, no matter what context it's in. Correct. That's I fine. still do that I when laugh people say every it's time your duty. I'm like, yeah. oh, You're duty. like, oh, duty. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a sex therapist, an educator. <laughs> like we have to, we, we have to as humans be able to laugh at ourselves, to laugh with each other. And to truly, like, I just, I love you for having this space and, and for bringing people together to, to talk about this stuff. It's just so massively important. Thank you. And I love you for being an expert on the subject and being able to come in and validate everything that I say. That's so good. Yeah. I'm Um, like, yes, you're correct. Yes, you're correct. I'm like, is it, is it accurate to say, uh, and the thought that I had that was very fleeting that came back, thankfully, oh, good. Like, it circled the block and popped back in. And that was just to confirm that when you have autonomy of your body, like you own your pleasure, your orgasm right. belongs to you, your mm-hmm. orgasm, you're responsible for your orgasm, mm-hmm. not your partner. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you are able to accept that and you're able to fully embody that, like that makes you feel really powerful. It makes you feel in control. It is extremely yeah. liberating. And that energy 
it flows out into the rest of your life. That's the reason why like sexuality, sensuality, like this whole world, the reason why there is endless conversation to be had, because it is not just about the act of penetration. Like I think when, when people are like, Oh, you talk about sex for a living. I'm like, no, no, I don't. I talk about everything that sex touches, which is intimacy and relationship and your body and how you show up in the world and in life. Well, and even the fact that, you know, when we hear the word sex, we immediately think of two cisgender people in a heterosexual relationship, you know, P and V pounding. Yeah. (laughs) P and V pounding. (laughs) That's literally what comes to mind for the majority of people. Yeah. And that's such a drop in the cosmic bucket, man. Right. the sexual bucket. Like, oh, how boring is that? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, no offense. Uh, if you guys just like straight P and that's cool. It's totally okay. Yeah. No judgment. No judgment in here. <laughs> but also follow us because we have exciting tips for things. you. <laughs> yeah. We got other suggestions. If you've been with the same person for a while and you're bored, we got stuff. It's okay yeah. that you're bored too. Yes. Okay, that's allowed. You're allowed to be bored. And you're allowed to be bored whether you have one partner or 10 partners. Like yes. that's the other thing is that it's, it's not a, everybody has a different threshold for boredom. And that goes in with sexuality and everything else in life. And that is okay. There's nothing wrong with you if you are bored and it's only been three months. No. That doesn't necessarily mean that the relationship is bad. No. Like, and it doesn't mean anything about you. It doesn't no. mean you're like an insatiable sex addict who yeah. can't, you know, like it doesn't mean that either. Those are words Correct. that I have heard about myself and they're not accurate. <laughs> Wait, did someone call you that? Oh yeah. I've had, I've had actually several people say that to me. <gasps> Oh, mostly judgy people who don't understand um, my lifestyle and are not having very good sex themselves. I am going to float that out there. Um, I mean, they, they were not very happy with what was going on in their own life. So that was a that was more of a projection onto me. Yes. Oh, you're <laughs> having good sex, then you must be an addict. Yes, you must have problems. Uh, I I worked in a in a sex addict clinic for a while, and it's I'm really glad that I did because seeing what a diagnosable sex addict mm-hmm. has going on. Yeah. The way that we flippantly use that term in our culture is so, it's just as offensive as calling somebody an alcoholic who enjoys a glass of wine every Couple night. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> or yeah. like gets drunk every once in a while. It's, it's so, um, there is such significant impairment yeah. in day-to-day life with sex addiction. That, I like, actually have someone coming on the show to talk about love and sex addiction oh, very soon. Good. Okay. Fabulous. So well, then I won't even say anything more. Oh, no. You that feel, feel free to say things. Keep saying things. <laughs> that la, was not la, to la, cut la, you la. off, no. but <laughs> I was just saying, I agree. It is very important. It should be given a whole container to be talked about in. And Agreed. So Agreed. Stay tuned. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. That feels good. Yeah. I hope Did that I feel hope, good for you. That was good for me. So. That felt so good for me. Awesome. I think it's because we're good at communicating. <laughs> I think so too. Amazing. I appreciate you so much. You are mm. such a fountain of knowledge, a wealth of knowledge, and you're gorgeous to boot. And I just, ugh, I love you. I love you. I love you too. This Thank is, you. This Thank is you. soul sister <laughs> things, guys. It's really like, it feels like we've just lived together for 10 years, it but does. we've never hung out in person. It, it's true. Oh, okay. So PS. So for all of you who listened to my like vomity, like gut wrenchingly vulnerable <laughs> solo episode last week, Rach is the therapist that I like voice memo when I'm in like a dark <laughs> spiral. So like, I'm going to put all of her information in the show notes. So if you need a pocket therapist, 
Rachel is taking clients. She has lots this of offerings. True. She's an amazing resource. Um, I'm just so lucky to call you my friend. <laughs> oh, well, the feelings mutual. I mean, I just, I want to fully say, while I was navigating my first polyam breakup, this one was here for me like nobody else. And it was just really, really, really special. So you're listening to a soul that really cares a lot about her people. Oh, got me in the heart hole. I love you. <laughs> love you too. <laughs> All right. We're going to end this because I hear James <gasps> and I hear her whining. So I'm going to end this recording for everyone else. And then I'm going to go get her so Rachel can see her. Yay. We Bye, love friends. you guys. We if love you, you. Questions, comments, fears, concerns, etc. Keep it kind, but send them straight on through to DMs and we will connect and communicate on all of the things. For sure. Bye. Bye. Hey, thank you so much for hanging in there and listening with an open and curious heart. I hope this conversation has inspired, educated, and entertained you, or at the very least, shaken things up in a productive way. Ann Voskamp says that shame dies when stories are told in safe places. So please share, rate, and review. Sending you love and dark chocolate. Talk soon.